Planning a summer break? Experience the best of Ireland inside and out at Clayton Hotels with nationwide destinations you can soak up amazing coastline views. Then soak in the atmosphere in our welcoming bars and spacious lounges. Squeeze in local attractions then stretch out in our big family rooms. Enjoy endless adventures followed by meals made to thrill Delicious. and heavenly moments alongside real luxury. For the best rates, always book on ClaytonHotels.com. Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour. Sponsored in part by Quaker State Motor Oil and National Presto Industries. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. I'm Rod Sterling. You're listening to the Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Bill S. Ballinger's best-selling novel of the pursuit of a damned couple. The wife of the red-haired man. Starring Patty Newcastle, John Aston, and Howard Duff. In Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour. This week's story draws its title from an ancient Irish poem. Here's the last verse. But the day of doom shall come and the hills and harbors be rent. A mist shall fall on the sun from the dark clouds heavily sent. The sea shall be dry and the earth under mourning and ban. Then loud shall he cry for the wife of the red-haired man. It's the tale of the hunted and the hunter, the pursuer and the pursued, the stalking of life and death. Do you believe, as I do, that the hunter and his quarry build an empathy between them, a sympathy? As the chase builds toward the inevitable conclusion, is it possible that, subconsciously, they become aware of each other's moves, counter-moves, plans, even emotions? There are two individuals who will tell you that's so. The poet and the cop. Our story begins after this word. At 19, Jill Kinmont was one of America's top women skiers, till an accident on an icy slope left her paralyzed. Now, 17 years later, she's a teacher, a good teacher. I guess you can say I've overcome my handicap, but I couldn't have done it alone. I had family, friends, people who accepted me, believed in me and helped me believe in myself. Yet there are millions of handicapped people in this country who aren't getting the acceptance they deserve because some people think that a handicapped person can't hold down a job, can't pay the rent, can't learn, can't be a human being. Well, unless you recognize that we are human beings with feelings, 
with skills, with a sense of responsibility, then you're adding a handicap we can't overcome. This public service message brought to you on behalf of the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare and the Advertising Council. Picture this. A windy, rainy November night in New York City. A man about 30. His most identifiable feature, a crest of flaming red hair, stands in a public telephone booth. There's no one. Rohan? Did you say Rohan? Uh, uh, Hello? Who is this? The red-haired man wears no raincoat. When he pulls up his jacket collar, we see a revolver stuck into his trousers. The red-haired man walks to the end of the street, where he turns and is lost to our view. His destination is East Vandu's Place, a small exclusive street near the river, where large apartments cost a lot of money. Inside one of them, a married couple, Albert and Mercedes Turner. You're very quiet. What? Oh, am I? I'm sorry. Would you care to tell me who called? It wasn't anyone. I heard you asking questions. You told someone this was the Turner house. You said another name. What was it? I've forgotten. It wasn't anything. It couldn't have been. You lie badly. And you lie a great deal of the time. Don't, Albert. Please don't bait me. The door? Yes. Hmm. Shall I? No. No, I'll get it. Hello, Mercy. You. It is you. Oh, you. You. I tried to warn you. I called, but then I lost my nerve. I froze. Oh, mercy. Mercy. Mercedes? Who's at the door? Mercedes? Come in, Hugh. Who is it? it it's someone who... Albert, it's someone who... It's all right, Mercy. It's all right. Well, if you're through kissing my wife, come in and let me get a look at you. Come in, darling. Come in. Well, introduce us, my dear. 
I'm Hugh Rohan. Am I supposed to know you? Mercy, didn't you... Excuse my... I thought he'd been killed in Vietnam. Rohan? Oh, of course, that's the name you said on the phone. The last time I saw Mercy, she was my wife. Your wife? Mercedes, is that so? Yes. I was Hugh's wife. Long ago. <laughs> Did you just forget to tell me, my dear? Slip your mind in it? That you were already married when you jumped into my bed? Don't talk to her like... I wasn't married. I'd obtained an Enoch Arden decree. You divorced me? Well, then, at least you're not a bigamist. Whatever else you might be. Why, Mercy? Why did you Seven do... years, Hugh. They said you were missing in action, presumed dead. I waited seven years, darling. For a con. What? <laughs> you waited seven years for a convict. Missing in action? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. <laughs> Hugh, what does he mean? I mean he's a con. He has the stink of prison all over him. Haircut, prison issue shoes. Unless he's anemic, he hasn't seen the sun all those seven missing in action years. What's he talking about, Hugh? Put that phone down. Oh, my dear phony fellow, it's my duty as a public-spirited citizen to tell the police there's an escaped con in my living room. Put it down. If you come near me, I'll blow your head off. Put that gun away, Albert, please. Please, put the gun away. Operator. Albert? He's dead. You shot him. He was going to call the police and spoil it. I waited seven years, Mercy. Seven years! But he's dead. What will happen to us? I don't remember if I'd ever seen a dead body before. But Hugh faced the matter as though it were almost commonplace. He hung up the phone, which had fallen to the floor, and then closed Albert's eyes. He would have separated us again. I couldn't let him do that. Was it true? What he said about you? No. We can't stay here. And we'll leave. You take what you need and we'll leave together. No. Not yet. What? I can't leave until tomorrow. We'll need money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I'll stay with you until morning. No, you have to leave now while it's dark. Otherwise, someone might see you. But what about him? We'll put him in his room. The maid comes at 10 o'clock. We don't want her to find him right away. All right. Where do you want him? His bedroom. I'd better answer it. It might be the operator. Maybe she traced his call. Where's, where's this bedroom? Through that door, the room on the, on the right. All right, if that's the operator, tell her everything's fine. We were playing a game and the phone fell off the table. Hello? Al? What? Al there? 
Albert? Did you want to talk to Albert? Let me talk to Al. Who is it? Is that the operator? Someone wants to speak to Albert. Not Albert, Al. What's the matter? Are you drunk? I want to talk to Alan. Alan Fox. My goodness, can't you understand a simple request? Alan Fox. That's it. You have a wrong number. There's no one here by that name. Oh, I'm most extremely sorry. I thought it was someone... I don't know, someone who heard us or saw us through a window. I was frightened. It's all right. Everything's all right now. We're together. Yes. We'll always be together because that's how it was meant to be. Go now, while it's dark. I'll get the money in the morning. Then come to the rooming house where I'm staying. Here's the address. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. All right. In the morning. Good night. Good night. Some gifts don't do anything. But Presto gifts do almost everything. Presto gifts. They do things for a woman. Give her the famous Presto pressure cooker. It'll cook a surprising number of things for her surprisingly fast. Three times faster than pots and pans. Presto gifts. They do things for a woman. Give her Presto's jumbo fry pan. Big enough for a complete dinner for eight. And the handles are removable, so it's easy to clean and store. Give her an easier way to broil. The brand new Presto Vertical Broiler broils both sides at once, then comes apart for easy cleaning. This year, give the gifts that do almost everything. Give Presto gifts. Presto We'll return to our story in a moment. Where does today's girl learn to be tomorrow's woman? At the movies? On television? Helen, darling, your floors are so shiny. Yes, John. I used Brand-X polish just this morning. Brand-X. Helen, will you marry me? Between the super sex symbol of today's commercialism and TV's Brand X image, impending womanhood is alive and well. And where is that somewhere? Wherever there are campfire girls. Campfire reaches the girl reaching out for tomorrow and puts a promise before her. The promise of personal development, of friends and fun. The promise of womanhood. Campfire takes today's girl to tomorrow. My name is Williams, Detective 19th Precinct. Not every detective working on a murder in New York City belongs to the Homicide Squad. The detective from the precinct where the killing occurs is also assigned to it. East Vanda's place is in the 19th, and therefore the report of Albert Turner's death came over our desk, and I went out on it. The medical examiner and the technical services crew were already there when I arrived. Williams, over here. Hey, you precinct guys sleep in or what? It's almost noon. Only got it half hour ago. 
We're homicide here. Half hour ago. I just got there. Hmm. Ooh, this is quite some beautiful layout. Yeah. It's class. Real dough. Who reported it? A maid, Thelma Jordan. She found the body. Uh, Miss Jordan? Turner's her boss. She'll tell you about it. Yes, Mr. Scores. This is Detective Williams here, Miss Jordan, 19th Precinct. He'll be working with me on this. Hello. Uh, tell me where you found Mr. Turner. Well, the poor man was in his bedroom. I thought he was asleep, lying in bed, covers all drawn up. He left her alone? Oh, no, sir. They're married. Is it Mrs. Turner? Oh, yes, indeed. Well, where is she? Well, I'm sure I don't know. She wasn't here this morning when I came in. She at work? Oh, no, sir. She don't work. Well, isn't Mr. Turner usually up and around? Oh, yes, sir. But this morning, Miss Turner left me a note. Here. Let me see that. Thelma, Mr. Turner wasn't well last night. Don't awaken him. He needs the rest. <laughs> Mercedes Turner. Dr. Branch from the medical examiner's office. He's with the body. What do you suppose happened to Mrs. Turner? I can't even guess. Morning, Will. Doc. What happened? One shot straight in the ticker. Fully clothed. Suit, shoes, lying under covers. Tell me, doctor, did you close the eyes? Well, but somebody did. Who? His wife? Remind me to ask her when we find her. Also, how come she didn't notice a dead husband in the bedroom? This is a man's room. Apparently, they had separate bedrooms. How long has he been dead? It's a guess. I'd say since around midnight. Another guess for you, Doc. Possible suicide? Yeah, negative. No powder stains in the front of his shirt. There's at least none I can find without a microscope. Besides, when I... There's no gun. That's right. There is one. We haven't found it yet. Uh, Another thing. You'll notice that not much bleeding. Probably shot someplace else, then placed in the bed. Any idea where? Uh, Possibly. The technical boys found something in the living room. Oh? What? Possible blood stain on the rug. They clipped the sample and they're going to check it. Near the bar by the phone. Yeah. Shot as he was calling someone? Maybe. You know, when I got here, this chair had been pulled up to cover that stain. The boys nearly missed it. Yeah. Oh, uh, Miss Jordan? Yes? Uh, listen, does Mrs. Turner have a book where she keeps phone numbers? You know, uh, stores, shops, beauty parlor, places where she might be this morning? Yeah, I'll get it. And would you uh, check her things for us, see if anything's missing? Yeah, right right away. Where do you suppose she is, Will? I don't know. Can't even guess. Think maybe something's happened to her? It's possible, Scores. It's very possible. Judy, do you remember what I told you about all that high-speed turnpike driving you're doing now and all that power equipment on your new car? Yes, Caleb? about how they can make your engine so hot that the oil thins down so it may not protect your engine? Yes, Caleb. Now, how do you tell if your oil's too hot? Just watch the temperature gauge. Nope. That just shows how hot the radiator fluid is. Oh, I know. When the oil's too hot, that little red light goes on. Nope. That just tells you the oil pressure's too low. Well, how do I tell if my oil's too hot? Fact is, you can't. Then how do I know my engine's protected? Make sure you're using quality oil, like Quaker State. Quaker State's specially made to stand up to high engine heat so it can keep right on protecting like an oil's supposed to. Is that the reason you always recommend Quaker State? That's one reason. Quaker State, your car, to keep it running young. 
The Zero Hour continues after this. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island. From the Redwood Forest to the Ocean Waters. This land was made for you and me. America, the greatest nation on earth. But as our country continues to grow, it must face the problems of expansion, such as the now ominous shortages of fuel and energy. There are ways you can help conserve these vital resources. Reduce thermostat settings by two or three degrees. Shut off lights and heat in rooms not in use. And reduce the consumption of electricity in late afternoon or evening. Remember, in conserving fuel and energy, you help yourself and your community. This public service message is presented by the President's Office of Emergency Preparedness and the Office of Consumer Affairs. It happened so suddenly. All of it. Hugh returned from the dead, holding me in his arms. Suddenly we were young again and innocent. Then Albert began saying those terrible, threatening things. Of course Hugh had shot him. If I'd had a gun, I would have too. Hugh killed him for me, really. Now we had to get away. I couldn't sleep that night, alone in the apartment with Albert's body. In the morning, I gathered some clothes, including my fur coat. Left a note for Thelma Jordan, the maid, and hurried to the bank. Mrs. Turner, good morning. How nice to see you. Good morning, Mr. Forrest. How may we serve you? Is Mr. Turner feeling well? Oh, yes, thank you. Would you cash this check for me? Yes, certainly. $4,500. Are you closing your account? Oh, I wouldn't dream of it. No, if you promise you won't tell Albert. Not a word. Well, I'm being terribly extravagant. I simply can't resist a lovely new car, and I promise to pay the difference in cash. And surprise Albert. Exactly. Of course. Oh, and uh, while you're getting the cash, I promised Albert I'd bring him some papers he left in our safe deposit box. The money will be here when you get back. Thanks so much. good to be true. She's gone to the police. She's told him what happened. No. No, darling. I withdrew money from the bank and took my jewelry from the safe deposit Doesn't box. matter. Doesn't matter. You're here. That's all that's important. Seven years, Mercy. 
I waited seven years to be with you. Seven empty years. I, I just don't seem to be able to function without you. Hugh. What did Albert mean? When he called you a convict? Oh, nothing. Forget it. Come on. Come here. Come here with me. Here. Here, sit down. Was it terrible? All those years? I told you, I'm not complete without you. Oh, mercy. We can't stay here, darling. The police will be looking for us. I know. You? Yeah. I felt the same way. Incomplete. All the while you were gone. You're all I, I've ever really had, my darling. You're everything that makes me warm and soft. Oh, you. There's certain procedures you set in motion after a homicide. You look for the deceased's enemies. You question everyone who might know something about what happened at the time of the crime. You make sure the lab is checking fingerprints and possible blood stains, lost bits of hair, anything and everything. My job is trying to solve a puzzle. When you first begin, there's nothing there. Yes, sir, I, I certainly will. Hey, who was that? The commissioner. Want to know what we have. They're asking questions upstate, you know. Well, tell me, Will. What has the 19th been able to come up with in how long? Six hours since we got the call? Well, we have a dead man and a missing wife. I called the phone numbers and made found for me, beauty parlor and such. No one's seen her for the last day or so. The lab's pretty sure Turner was shot in the living room. They think that bloodstain near the phone will match his type. That's great. Turner's shot in the living room near the phone. With a bullet in his heart, he walks into the bedroom and gets settled down under the covers, which is where he expires. Which leaves us at square one. Someone shot Turner in the living room, carried him to the bedroom, shut his eyes, then left the premises for who knows where. That, uh, that someone being Mrs. Turner, huh? That's all we have at the moment. Well, maybe we got a little more, Will. What do you mean? According to the maid, Mrs. Turner's overnight bag is missing, along with a few dresses, shoes and things, mm -hmm. and a fur coat, some bracelets, earrings, etc. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll find the lady. This is Mercedes Turner. Last seen when? Uh, last night? Yeah, as far as we know. Carrying an overnight bag, wearing a fur coat, and see, uh, height. Uh, uh, you got a picture of her? From the apartment, you mean? Yeah, from the apartment. Every dummy in the world has snapshots weddings, picnics, holidays, trips, whatever. Not this lady. What? We tore that place apart, Will. There is no picture of her. We're putting out an all points for Mercedes Turner, and we don't have the faintest idea what she looks like. You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. Even if someone served them a slice of beef, they couldn't bite into it. Their teeth are too weak. I'm not talking about some people over in Africa or Asia. I'm talking about Americans. American children. 
It's tragic how many thousands of them are in this country whose teeth will literally rot in their mouths because they'll never receive basic dental care. They may not even own a toothbrush. What hurts is that it takes so very little for any one of us to help them. The same dollar, for instance, that buys you two packs of cigarettes can buy three American children the first toothbrushes they've ever owned. I'm Cliff Robertson. Won't you give up some cigarettes so some American children can have their first toothbrush? Send your dollar to Americans for Children's Relief, Box 5050, Stamford, Connecticut. Box 5050, Stamford, Connecticut. One dollar. And, of course, if you can afford more, give more. This land is your land. This land is my land. America, the greatest nation on earth. But as our country continues to grow, it must face the problems of expansion, such as the now ominous shortages of fuel and energy. There are ways you can help conserve these vital resources. Reduce thermostat settings by two or three degrees. Shut off lights and heat in rooms not in use and reduce the consumption of electricity in late afternoon or evening. Remember, in conserving fuel and energy, you help yourself and your community. This public service message is presented by the President's Office of Emergency Preparedness and the Office of Consumer Affairs. Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes. And listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense, The Wife of the Red-Haired Man. I'm Rod Serling.